What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 116. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude? Oh, man, not much. I mean, it's a... <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, it's a... It's, it's, it's been a... <laughs> it's been a good set so far. The set is good. <laughs> Zach has a new soundboard toy and... Uh, I don't know, but we'll see if he decides to drop any more in <laughs> if we can go uninterrupted. Yeah, don't hold your breath. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it has been a good set so far. Sorry to the uh, to the listener if you notice my, I hope you notice at least, my audio quality is not where it usually is. I'm traveling and using my mobile recording setup, so apologies for that. We'll be back to normal next week. But this week is our Dominary United First Impressions show. Before we get into all of that, our usual housekeeping, check out the Discord if you're not already in it. It's the best place to be to chat with us and the rest of the Traficionado community. And it's been popping off. I've been really excited like going through the, the DMU channel and just like seeing how everybody's enjoying the format. It seems like pretty much unanimously people are really enjoying this one, which is great to see. So uh, jump in there if you're not already in it. The link to that's in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. Huge thanks to all of our patrons who continue to support us each and every week. We are beyond grateful for all of you. Thank you so much for your support. Perks over there include things like our Draft Doctor series, which we're hoping to get back to, stickers, show notes. We're making a slight change to the unedited recordings of the show mm-hmm. to try something out a little bit different because I noticed that not very many patrons are actually listening to the unedited recordings. So instead... We're going to separately record sort of pre-show banter that Ben and I typically do before we start recording anyway and upload that. So they'll be much shorter. It's like 10 minutes on average, and you'll just get to hear us kind of chatting about random stuff. Sometimes it's just related to the show. Sometimes it'll be completely random, um, and you'll get some of that before we actually go into the show. So you won't get a full unedited recording of the show, but you'll get very off the cuff, just complete unscripted the, uh, banter between the two of us. The, the true Ben and Zach, the, the, the real lives behind the scene, you know? Yeah. But not that's the show person. A big pull. <laughs> oh yeah. We're, we're nothing like this in real life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you'll also get our draft chat hero cards signed by us and sent to you. So that's uh, whichever the most recent draft chat hero is at the time of your signing up. So you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. <laughs> Wingman old <Right>. chaplain. <laughs> Sorry, did you Right, yeah. Um, I don't know. Are you okay? Do you need like a drink or something? No, no I'm good. Let's, let's go. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, sound like you had someone that's stuck in your throat there. Um, all right, under our crack of draft type thing, Ben, walk us through it. Yeah, so for our crack of draft this week, we have a pack one, pick two. Thought this was a pretty interesting one. I slammed first pick Alana War Loam Speaker. Uh, that's the one in the green one three. It's an elf druid. It's a rare, and it taps to add one mana of any color. And then you can also tap it to have target land you control become a three three elemental creature with haste until end of turn. And it is still a land, so you can still tap it for mana. And it's at sorcery speed that activation. So I mean, this just seems like one of the best two drop mana dorks ever, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I mean, it's up there with yeah. stuff like like Sylvian Carrioted and Paradise Druid, where I mean, it taps for any color, which is great, and it does the thing that you want your dorks to do in the late game, which is have a huge board presence. I mean, what was the um, was it Avalanche Caller, the the one back from Caldheim that you could animate Snowlands? Yep, yeah, Avalanche Caller. Yeah, if that, I, but then the name might be a little bit off, but you, you all know what I'm talking about. It was, it was something like that. You could pay to activate, uh, turn your lands into creatures. Sometimes in the snow decks, you would just pay, make all of your lands into creatures and just swing in, right? And this isn't quite that, but if you can just use this to start chipping in with your lands in the late game, I mean, that's just an extra block, uh, extra attacker. It's a 3-3. Like, that's a, a solid body in this set. So anyway, I slammed that. 
Uh, and now the second pack here, uh, what we were past is it's interesting. So um, because it, it was a little bit of an unexciting pack, and I think that might be worth taking a look at. I don't know. Maybe you, the listener, disagree that it was unexciting. First up, we have a Haunted Mire. It's the only of the duels in the pack. That's the black green one. Nice. But um, I don't know. Might be the pick. Yeah, I, I feel like this isn't a cube-esque set where you need to scoop these up early and like just forgo other picks until you get enough of, of the lands that you need to support a good deck. You really don't want to be splashing unless you have a lot of domain payoffs, from what mm-hmm. I've noticed. So, I mean, you can make the wedge decks work, at, but I, I think if you can get a really tight two-color deck, you'd rather do that, and we're not sure what our second color or even our first color would be yet. So mm-hmm. I'm not too terribly excited to pick this second here, but it, it could be I've, a viable uh, option. I've really been enjoying the sneaky three-color decks, decks that look like if you just look at, say, the, the generic mana values of all the cards, it might look like a normal blue-white deck. But then you look closer and you see that you have the two-one that with kicker, discard your hand, draw two. And you have the um, uh, the, the white one, the sky cleaver uh the one with red kicker and then sometimes your decks will look kind of weird it'll be like a bunch of blue and white cards and then some red lands and your opponent might be like what's going on over there but when you look at the cards uh, it has like a sneaky kicker almost um i've enjoyed those decks a lot because they function both with and without drawing your splash color when you draw it you know then all of your kicker cards go online and your deck is nuts and that usually doesn't really happen until the late game anyway Next up, we got Volsha Tide Turner, one of the blue 1-3, Merfolk Wizard at Common. Taps to add a blue, spend this mana only to cast an instant or sorcery spell or a kicked spell. Um, it's I just don't see a use for this. Um, <laughs> uh, just nope. not very impressed. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really... Uh, next. Vine <laughs> <laughs> Shaper Prodigy. This one's fine. I, I've kicked this and cast it normally a few times. One of the green for a 2-2 Elf Druid at Common. Kicker for one of the blue. When ETBs, if it was kicked, look at the top three, put one in your hand, the others in the bottom. So you get to uh, cast like a little anticipate, you know, that that's pretty good. Yeah, it's a reasonable body as well. It's like otherwise just two mana two two. It's it's uh, a nice little card to mm-hmm. fix your curve. Now, um, I have seen some folks saying that like the uh, the lords aren't very good. How there's like that that cycle of of um, like rare lords. I did actually get to play with the elf lord a few times. I just looked at my pool and I noticed, yeah, I've got one of the mana dorks. I've got one of Vine Shaper Prodigy. I was playing like a red-green beatdown deck and I had a few of the green one drops, which I think are are better than people give it credit for. That's the one one green for a 1-1. One, one. When a creature enters the battlefield, it gets plus 1, plus 0. Uh, a 3-1 can smack in a little bit better than people think, especially with combat tricks. So I, I ended up playing the Elf Lord with Vine Shaper Prodigy and some other stuff. It was good. <laughs> like, I, I got to chain elves and like use the cast, draw... Uh, pay equipment or pay pay activated ability it was pretty cool anyway uh up next herborg repossession black for a sorcery it is kicker for one of the green return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand you gain two life if the spell is kicked return another target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand so that's any permanent that can get back like an enchantment like an o-ring or something that they blew up or a saga uh or most often you just return two creatures yeah seems solid i think so far i might i might be taking that Otherwise, probably just the Vine Shaper Prodigy at this point. Yeah, I'm probably on Repossession. I like this card a lot. You know, Sagas go to the graveyard, creatures trade off, some have cool death abilities. Um, I don't know. I, I've, there, there have been multiple games where I'm playing like a Lana or Loma Speaker-esque late game deck where I wish, like, I just wish that I had a few more copies of Herborg Repossession uh, because my best stuff is like, it got dealt with, it's in the graveyard, or I've been self-milling. Um, 
And you can also just kind of play this as as like a raise that effect. I mean, it's just one black return a thing graveyard to hand. If you have some high value creatures, um, consider it. Yeah, this is one that I'm always on the lookout for with my opponents. This and Vora, even though Vora you can kind of see coming. Mm. Uh, any of these effects that like let you get stuff back, it's it's something to keep in mind. And this one's well costed for the effect that it it does. Next up, Salvage Mana Worker. Two mana for one three construct. It has an activated ability. Pay one, add one mana of any color. Activate only once each turn. Unplayable. I mean, it, yeah. It, you know what's funny? It doesn't even this have card, defender. I was gonna say this card would be better if it said defender on it. <laughs> this card would be better if it was a zero four defender. Um, then it might yeah. actually make the cut sometimes. But as it is right now, I don't think any deck in the format that this. actually might be amazing. A two mana zero four fixer with def- in the defender deck might actually yeah. be really good. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's funny because like this doesn't help domain. This doesn't help enlist. The, it, it's like they designed a card that was bad at every single deck in the format. Yep. Uh, to quote one of my recent favorite movies, Everything Everywhere, um, th- this card has the potential for everything because it's so well. No, it has the potential for anything because it's so bad at everything. There you go. Uh, Hammerhand is up next. One red for an aura. I didn't realize this is a reprint. Um, ETV, target creature can't block this turn. Creature gets 1-1 one, one in haste. I see this is unplayable. It's pretty bad. I think you'd need to be in a really, 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 really aggressive deck, and this is like your finisher <laughs> for this to be good. Yeah. And even then, it's not great. There's a bunch of like solid red commons that already have haste. There's um, right. like the 3-1, the um, and there's the, the red-green one with kicker. Like they, <laughs> What was the point? I don't know. I guess it's kind of cute within list. But if you're going that deep, I don't know. When I see my opponent play one of these one mana auras, it's like, all right, sweet. A free two for one. Yeah, like I said, I could see it potentially being like a finisher if you just like get gummed up and then you top deck this and your opponent's on three and you just can get in with your Iconoclast one more time. But mm. eh, it's not a reason to take up a card slot in your deck. Yeah. Next up, we have Elfame Worm. Actually, a little disappointed that this is a worm and not an elf, despite the fact that there's clearly an elf riding it and it refers to elves because I had a few of these in that deck with the uh, with the elf lord. Anyway, this is a uh, five four vigilance trample for four and a green. I like it. <laughs> yeah, it's a beefy creature. Four toughness is a big deal. Five power is an even bigger deal in this format. Mm-hmm. And uh, trample's nothing to sniff at either because um, there's a lot of the, all those walls and such. There's a lot of ways to uh, gum up the ground. So. Um, I'm a big fan of this card. It feels like it shouldn't be good because it has so little text on it. Yeah. But it actually is a really solid little like top end. I found that people tend to have to double block this. Uh, it's usually the biggest body on the board. And sure, they might have double blocks. Like they put a gibbering barricade and like a one three or and then like two one threes in front of it or something like that. Um, but pretty often you're able to blow it out with a pump spell or a combat trick. And I've had many games end because my opponent, they like put a a four, four in front of this. I just pumped over it with a pump spell or they chumped uh, just to like soak up some damage. And I just pumped over it uh, or used the kill spell to trample through for extra. This just has the right combination of stats. And um, I don't know. It's, it's one of my top picks for this pack. We'll talk about my actual pick later, but uh, next up is captain's call three and a white for a sorcery create three one, one white soldier creature tokens. This card is awesome in the go wide vector, and that can work yeah. in both blue, white, black, white, or red, white. I haven't tried green, white out yet. I assume it works there fine, um, but I've been most impressed when in, in red, white, actually. Red has the uncommon plus two plus O effect for three, and 
I had a deck with two captains calls. I'm going to talk more about that deck later. Two captains calls and the plus two plus. So just absurd. You could just melt your opponent's life total swinging from like, they thought they were safe at like 17. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and talking about the Lords, the white Lord actually mm. seems pretty solid to me. I've seen it played against me a few times and it feels very good. There are so many incidental soldiers in this format. There are a bunch of creatures that randomly make soldiers. There's the, the two one with flash for two that makes a soldier mm. when it ETBs like there are a lot of incidental soldiers. So just being able to turn in your like four or five one ones into two twos, it makes your combat math like way different. So, uh, and captain's yeah. calls are common. So if you manage to pick yeah. up that Lord, like putting a deck together that really capitalizes on soldier tokens, isn't very difficult. Um, given we have the loam speaker already, I don't think I'm really considering it here, but mm-hmm. it is a good card and something that I would want in my white decks. Yeah. This isn't like, um, I don't think this is quite the the same kind of format as as uh, Kamigawa, where just making three two twos and scrying a bunch like uh, that 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 was a lot more impactful. This kind of proves how the scry was actually a big part of it, where just making the three bodies it's solid, but you still want to be you know aggressive with it. And I guess those two twos have vigilance too, so that that card actually just had a lot going on. Um, this is really but, nice in the black white decks, just like it always is with the aristocrats decks as well. Anything that mm-hmm. can generate good fodder for your sack effects is, is going to be solid in those decks. Yeah, uh, I think it's funny enough. We have the we have the ability to make two bodies for two mana in this format. You have the ability to make uh, two bodies for three mana in this format with our Gavian Cavalier, which is actually our next card we're going to talk about. And you have the opportunity to make three bodies for four mana in this format. And it might sound like you're losing out there. Um, but three bodies for, for four mana, I think, is actually still pretty solid. If it was three for three, that might be a little too good. Um, that, that's more like master set territory. Uh, three bodies for four mana, you can't underestimate the fact that those are real things that you can use to uh, actually attack or get pumped um, to enlist other creatures or be, be enlisted, I guess, and uh, to sack to things like bone splinters. Anyway, Argivian Cavalier is up next. That's two and a white for a 2-2 Orc Knight at common. It has enlist, and when it ETVs, make a 1-1 white soldier creature token. A little awkward that this is a knight, and that's a soldier. Um, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it, it feels better when your opponent has both this and the lord and a bunch of other tokens. It's like, oh, thank God it's not pumping the enlist one, too. But, um, I mean, this is an enlist creature with two toughness. So it's, it's a little worse, but this is still like a, a solid three drop. Like we said, it makes two bodies, and you can't overestimate how, how useful that is. Yeah, I'm going to you know I mean. put a pin... I'm going to try to put a pin in this because I have something I want to say about Enlist, but I know we're going to talk about it later, so I'll come yeah. back to that. Yeah. Next up, Automatic Librarian. Three mana for a 3-2 construct. It's an artifact creature. It's generic mana. It's a common. When it ETBs, scry two. Um, I don't know. It's a cop-out. If you ran out of time and you forgot to take three drops, I guess you could play this, but you might be better off just not. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much not something I'm considering ever. Um, I guess it is three power, so it's okay with enlist creatures, but no, this is just like a, a bad rate and scrying too is just whatever. So, uh, it looks like our, our friend to our right, uh, they took an uncommon out of this pack. So we have two uncommons first up sprouting goblin, one in red two two goblin druid at uncommon. It is kicker for a green. When it enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, search your library for a land card with the basic land type, reveal it, put it in your hand and then shuffle. And then it has pay a red. Tap, sacrifice a land, draw a card. I don't know. I have not seen this card cast. 
it's probably going to be a while before I do. I mean, maybe this is the format for where you can use that second ability to just like go churn through some late game lands. And there is some land stuff going on in this set. Um, Soul of Wind Grace can bring the lands back. Um, Erg, Spawn of Turg likes having lands in Graveyard, but I don't know, Jund lands? Is that what it's trying to say? Yeah, I don't really think this is a super good limited card. I'm sure there's going to be some crazy stuff you can do with it in Constructed, though. Yeah, maybe if you open exactly those cards, uh, Wind Grace, Erg, and Sprouting Goblin in like a sealed deck, you could try it. But otherwise, um, I don't know. The thing is, I think it's actually better than our next uncommon, <laughs> which is uh, Slimefoot Survey. Four and a green for a, uh, a sorcery at uncommon. It is Domain. Search your library for up to two land cards that each have a basic land type. Put them on the battlefield tap, then shuffle. Then look at the top X cards of your library, where X is the number of basic land types among lands you control. Put up to one of them on top of your library and the rest on the bottom in a random order. That is an awful lot of text that says, go get two lands, don't draw any cards. Pretty much, yeah. I think the only saving grace for this card is that it does let you get full five domain on turn five if you have just two lands in your in your library that cover four of the base land types because you need green to cast this and then you can just go grab two two of the dual lands to get you the other four and there you go five domain on turn five and your domain decks can really put this to good use and then you can also put that card that you care about on top of your library so that you're drawing into like your big domain payoff the next turn Mm -hmm. that said it is a functionally five mana do nothing If I'm playing red, white, or blue, white, I want my opponent to cast this card. That that says sure, a lot, so that's right? The thing. That's the thing. And I've, I've played against and with this card a few times now, and I think that's exactly the sweet spot. As the When you see your opponent play Slimefoot Survey, you want to be playing a really aggressive, oh, like in the air or a go-wide deck that's already pressuring. And then when you see your opponent play this on five, you're like, oh, sweet, I've won this game. Mm-hmm. But if you're in a slower, mid-rangey, kind of dirtily domain deck and your opponent plays this you kind of get scared yeah yeah when your opponent gets to just turn on their domain and like we mentioned in in our um like our format breakdown you can't turn your opponent's domain off <laughs> like there's there's nothing in this set that lets you interact with it really so when your opponent gets domain like the the uh the avizoa aeronaut like the ones that, that turn on they're on you know oh yeah and and i think that's key in the pseudo mirror matches when you're both playing domain decks that are mm. trying to turn your, the deck on before your opponent does this guarantees they get it before you in almost every situation unless you naturally drew into it by turn five uh and then that means every card that has domain in their deck is getting that much more value than all of your cards so they quickly snowball yeah. you in value so this card actually does do a lot to enable those decks the problem is it takes a turn off to do it so if you're playing against an aggressive deck and you play this you're probably losing and if you're yeah. playing against a deck that's not aggressive you probably are winning now i mean in a, in a dedicated domain deck this also does perfectly fix you uh so then you can cast all your off-color kickers and things like that we are assuming that you have the fixing like if you right. don't have oh, yeah. you're playing like like a, a deck and you i mean this card being good is also contingent upon picking up those dual lands and if you're taking Absolutely. them yeah like you, you don't need many just because this is just going to go get them um, and like don't get me wrong i'm not saying this is like a deck all do- a card all domain decks have to have like i'd probably put this in a build around c plus maybe build around c yeah you know like it's not it's not exceptional but in the deck that's going to make the best use of it it's pretty good it's like a it's like a build around c plus when you're not playing against aggressive decks <laughs> mm, yeah <laughs> it just gets worse from there <laughs> so 
can I interest you in a rare that's barely better than these last two cards? <laughs> Probably. Um, actually, that that's a little bit of a lie. I, I, okay, let's just talk about Sten, Paranoid Partisan. White blue for a 2-2 human wizard. It's a legend. It's rare. Uh, as Sten enters the battlefield, choose a card type other than creature or land. Spells you cast of the chosen type cost one less to cast. And you can pay one white blue to exile, stand, return to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. <sighs> okay. It's so, the last bit, to be honest with you. Like, yeah. I know what it's doing, but why? <laughs> why do yeah. I try to do that? <laughs> I, I, this feels like a top-down design of, like, what if there was a thing that could reset itself? Um, I don't yeah. know. So it dodges removal, but... Is it good if you're Grizzly Bear? <laughs> is like, I mean, yeah, Nora and the Wary isn't actually like a threat that you want, right? Especially that if you have to pay this much. Yeah, I think I think it's too expensive because I mean, sure, it's giving you cost reduction, but then you need to get the cost re- like you need to cast enough stuff for the cost reduction to make flickering this thing worth it to switch yeah, this, to this being able ridiculous. to get cost reduction on other stuff. Like, I, I don't yeah, think I you'd don't ever. Know. Yeah, like. So I could see maybe if you're playing a blue white deck that has like eight instants, like you just have so many of the stall for times and Tolarian Geyser is a sorcery, I think. So I, I don't know. Let's just say you somehow miraculously have tons and tons of instants. You could play this and name it and then it'll kind of be like a mana dork in your deck, which is cool, but it's harder to cast, right? I mean, it's, 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 you need white blue on turn two and this set, you know, fixing is in, in contention, especially blue fixing because it pairs with the blue green deck, like the kind of go big domain stuff. White, I guess, doesn't care as much, but, you know, blue white lands, they might get picked up by the people. Um, I don't know. This, um, <laughs> I, I would probably take Sprouting Goblin over it. Yeah, this doesn't seem good. Um, in terms of what I'd actually go with for this pack, uh, we have the Loam Speaker, so I'm probably just thinking let's build something big. I'd probably take uh, Repossession or the Worm. Yeah. Uh, I actually took the worm. I know I, I lied earlier when I said I'll tell you later what my pick was. It was the worm. <laughs> uh, no, I, I really like this worm. And uh, this deck ended up being pretty solid. Uh, I think it finished with like a 5-3 a or something around that. Um, and the worm was a good part of that. Uh, the worm is like a nice sweet spot, especially ramping into it, obviously. Like if you play this thing on turn four, it's great. Uh, a side note, ramping into Slimefoot Survey. That There's a few ways to ramp on three in this set. Uh, there's the saga that goes gets land. There's um, the death bloom gardener. Uh, there's an artifact. There's a mana rock that taps to add like legendary color or colorless. I don't know. It's some nonsense like that. I mean, that. you do have loam speaker too. Yeah, and the loam speaker. Yeah, so there's ways to ramp into Slimefoot Survey. But if you're not really doing much before then, I guess like you want to be, uh, say you're using like the gardener, like the common um, mana dork, right? And you go like Florifer's Vine Wall on turn two. Gardener turn three, turn four, you tap out for the survey, right? You could just be at two life at that point. <laughs> like you, you, you could be very close to dead to a bolt, um, which you can easily die to. In fact, I, I killed some opponents from six with um, Twin Flame into Lightning Strike. Or is that what's called Twin Flame? Or Twin Inferno, I think. Yeah, Twin Inferno. That's it. Twin Inferno, Lightning Strike. <laughs> you thought you were, you thought you were stable. Just kidding. Um, but yeah, so even ramping into Slimefoot Survey, I, I. I don't know. Then you're taking your turn off to, to ramp too, so, so, which is also what your opponent deck, if you're playing aggro, kind of wants you to do. Like they're excited to have you not play a ground blocker. All right, on to our third table. I think that was our longest cracker draft type thing ever in the history of the show. That was great. Uh, yeah, all right, that was on a good to our one. third table. This is our roses and thorns style segment where Ben and I share a high and a low from the past week. Um, I'm going to kick it off because you were just talking a lot. Um, so my Teferi this week is that I've got the week off. I've been kind of chilling. Um, 
in the U S we had labor day on, on Monday. And then like, so that's kind of a holiday everybody gets. And then I took the rest of the week off. So I've been kind of relaxing and, uh, didn't do as much hiking or traveling as I wanted to do because it has been terrible weather where I'm at. Um, but I've been able to just kind of relax, which is great. It's always good to do. It's kind of like a staycation, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. But uh, the last couple of days this week, I, I'm visiting family. So that is uh, a little bit of travel I get to do. Um, and that's great. Uh, my tidbit is that uh, my dog went to the vet for the first time since I've had her. And that's terrible. Mm-hmm. I've had her a year and I never took the vet. Um, but she never really seemed to need it. And she still didn't. She went in for right, like routine vaccinations. Um but they, they did a blood test just for, again, routine, like her annual checkup kind of thing. And the doctor called me this morning and told me that she has tested positive for Lyme disease, which what? is interesting because, A, I have her on like a tick preventative. Um, so she shouldn't really have to deal with that. Yikes. And then the vet also told me that, um, at least with dogs, and I think this is true of humans too, but the tests that they perform to check for Lyme disease, check for antibodies... So if she ever had Lyme in the past, she's going to test positive forever, basically. Yeah, yeah. So it's hard to tell if she has it now or if she just had it at some point because I adopted her when she was four. So like, and That's I don't right. have any medical records from before Could then. Have been a while so, ago. Yeah. Any anyway, long story short, she wants me to get a bunch of tests done. It's going to cost like five hundred bucks. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so that, but fun. you know, but like she's my fur baby. So I was going to say she she's going to like kind of. I, I would describe the way she walks almost as like shuffling or, or like lumbering, not lumbering, maybe drooping. Well, uh, lumbering's pretty accurate. <laughs> She'll kind of shuffle on over and like look up at you with the, the big puppy dog eyes and like you'd shell out a million dollars if you could for her. <laughs> yeah, and her big Dumbo ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Um, what's up with you? Well, uh, we did pre-release. That was kind of fun. Um, had, a, had a pretty good city weekend, I guess. Uh, got to see a bunch of friends that I haven't seen in a while. Um, hung out with some people in Central Park. Had some friends' birthday plans. And in the middle of all of this, like crashing in different places in the city, uh, we went to pre-release at um, The Uncommons, a, a nice game store in, in, um, in New York. Um, New York folks, I recommend checking it out. They, they, they're nice people there. Um, and they have a really cool atmosphere, a cool little vibe. Uh, We're not affiliated or sponsored, by the way. <laughs> no, but uh, the Uncommons call us. <laughs> Y'all are pretty cool. So um, plus, we we met a bunch of uh, cool listeners there too. Um, anywho, uh, shout out to to the folks that we met there. Uh, hopefully, you are listening and um, you know stay in, stay in touch. With, you know, uh, anywho, the Uncommons is a good time. We had a pretty pretty fun pre release. Uh, hung out with some cool people. Uh, I I at one point I was walking while eating a breakfast wrap and. Uh, I, I didn't realize it was cut in half. So like the top half like fell as I was eating it and I caught it with one hand and like, it was like, it was about to hit the ground. That was kind of cool. That's a fairy. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Uh, anyway, it's the first week of school. That's the real news. So, um, met all my students. They all seem pretty great. Um, none of them have told me they play magic yet. You know, that's not really people's leading, uh, leading intro thing, but you know, that's how it is. And, uh, you should just start intro when you introduce yourself, you just start saying, so, uh, what color major you <laughs> with no context and see, see where that gets you. Yeah. My, my first day I'm like, I play green. Uh, and they go, 
God, what did we sign up for? We're going to deal with a year of this nonsense. Um, of course, my tibble is also that it's the first week of school. Um, this is the most sleep deprived I've been for a while. You might be able to hear it in my voice that uh, I've been talking more than I usually have to, which is funny because my, my classes, uh, I pride myself on having mostly my students do the talking. But, you know, even then, it's it's more than I'm used to doing from the summer. And I think I have to get back on a sleep schedule of like 10 p.m., which I kind of hate. I'm, I'm very much a fan of staying up until like, too if i can but uh my body is saying that that's not a good idea so gotta fix the old sleep schedule but i don't know there's there's dominaria united to play who wants to do that fair all right on to our listener question of the week and this week our question comes from gus in the discord if you're interested in submitting a question for the listener question of the week you can do so in our listener questions channel in the discord so another reason to jump in there but gus asks what have you loved about the format till now there's a lot (laughs) um to be honest, I yep. think the biggest thing that sticks out for me is that you can play what you want. And that's a thing that you look for in a good cube. Uh, not saying this is a cube-like format. I, I wouldn't say it is. But it's rare that that's something that happens in like a, yeah, like a standard release, like a normal magic set. Um, I've loved the flavor. I love the lore. I love the feel of it. I, I had a nice thought. One of my cards in pre-release was Sphinx of Clear Skies. It kind of feels like the format. It's a very emblematic card. Um, sure, it does a bunch of stuff, but it's simple. It's got one ability. It's a five mana five five. You know, uh, I guess it is word. Okay, two abilities. But um, it, it was like, you know what? This this whole set is kind of like Magic's Clear Skies. You know, like all that alchemy garbage. And uh, sorry if you liked alchemy, but you know it was garbage. <laughs> all that alchemy <laughs> stuff, all that junk. It's behind us. We've got clear dominarian skies ahead it's a divination format it's a walls format there's a defender combo deck you know like <laughs> uh and yeah. aggro is good and going wide is good i'm i'm a happy camper how about you yeah no i totally agree i think you summed it up well when you said you can play what you want and and i would add to that and not feel bad about it you can play whatever you want and not feel bad about it and that yeah. is awesome and it's been a long long time since we've had a set do that i feel like we kind of maybe sort of got some of that in Crimson Val, uh, but you really wanted to be doing like blood stuff with vampires and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then Midnight Hunt was obviously the exact opposite of that, the complete antithesis of that. If you yeah. weren't playing Organ of Hurt, why are you playing? Neo, there were kind of two camps, the the white aggro and the the huge looping decks. And then SNC just had brokers. So, you know, it's been a while since we've had a format that feels so ubiquitous i guess like you you literally can just do whatever you want and um that's awesome and then again the simplicity of it is really great i think that's what made the first dominaria set so incredible was that it really did bring you back to like the roots of magic and it didn't feel like like the original dominaria set felt like a set that anybody who played back in like ice age and hasn't thought about the game since could jump in and feel like oh Yeah. yeah this is magic definitely whereas like you throw them in the middle of something like snc or afr or something and even though afr was technically a a core set it's like what am i doing (laughs) with this game right now like what is this isn't magic um this set that that was the the first dominaria felt that way this one also feels that way and i appreciate how different they've made this feel from and we're kind of just getting into our first impressions here at this point but i appreciate how they made this set feel so different from the first dominaria while still capturing that because it does feel very different they didn't play up wizards this time which i think is cool sapperlings Mm -hmm. aren't even a thing um, that's true yeah like it it feels it feels like a totally different set but it harkens back to the simplicity and like there's the playability of the first dominary set mm, for example a card that i said i was i was most 
impressed by in, in this pack today. Uh, it is two words of ability text on it. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. Um, and yet vigilance trample. What, what's just like, it's so clean. You know, it's it, it feels nice and clean and fresh and nice, clear skies ahead. Right. So um, a bit more about pre-release. I had some decently solid results. I started off 5-0 in games, started off uh, winning my first two matches. Uh, and then, you know, I almost got that clean 6-0 sweep, but I had a hand and I was playing blue red. I had a hand with Balmor, a few blue spells like uh, Telerian Geyser and all mountains. And I was like, you know what? I have this other creatures in this hand. If I top deck uh, uh, an island, I'm just going to destroy my opponent and it's going to be really fun. And of course, there were no there were no blue sources in the top 12 cards. So <laughs> I, I deserved that loss. But um, then it came down to a, a pretty close game three. My opponent took it. Um, I believe they were playing Darien, King King of Keldor or whatever that thing is. They, um, I don't know. It makes tokens and puts counters on itself. They had a, they had a solid deck. Uh, I was feeling good about it, too, until they ended up top decking their second red source and casting the uh, the big phasing deal five to everything board wipe. And yep. I will say I did not see that one coming out of the obs on deck. So uh, I don't know. You win some, you lose some. Right. But um, I, I had a really fun deck. My, my deck built itself. It was blue red. Uh, like I said, I had Balmors. I had the Sphinx of Clear Skies. I had the Dragon Saga. Tons of Telerian Geysers, red removal. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the cantrippy feel of it um, because th this is the kind of format where you can run out of things to do. So having like a divination or cantrip or raise that affects like Urborg thing. Um, those are good. And uh, the bombs were bomby, the, the, uh, but, but not enough that they weren't dealt with. Um, a few opponents did kill my Sphinx. I don't know. It was, it was just a pretty enjoyable experience. I, I left feeling pretty happy and I, I hadn't for several pre-releases. Yeah. So if you recall back to our first impressions for Streets of New Capenna, I had an absolutely busted seal pull. I had two Lagrellas, three inspiring overseers. Just stupid. Uh, Elspeth. Like it was Elspeth. an absolutely disgusting, absolutely disgusting seal pull. This was not that. Um, mine was pretty <laughs> middle ground. I ended up opening kind of a sporadic pool that was spread quite evenly across colors, which if you've played many seals, you will know that that's typically not something you want. Uh, you, you actually kind of want to see concentration in colors um, in sealed. And so I ended up playing five color, well, more or less salt high, splashing a couple things, good stuffs. Uh, there were a bunch of walls and the deck was okay. Um, I lost round one going 0-2 and then I got a buy, which only seems to happen to me when I'm <laughs> playing a bad deck, uh, oh, which, which kind of is like a, a salt in the wound, I guess. But yeah. Um, and then I, I went to, I went, uh, one, two in my last round. So mm. technically went one, two for the event. It always does suck that, you know, when, when there has to be a buy at events like that, cause that's not why you're there. Like no one really cares about the record. It's, it's about like getting the games in with the new cards. So I, yeah, I, I see buys as pretty net negative, you know, at least in that regard. Yeah. Luckily, your deck played fast enough that we got to play a few games in between rounds. So. <laughs> oh, that's right. So, like, one of the rounds, uh, I walk over. It was it's round like, one. It was round yeah, one. yeah. It's like <laughs> maybe 12 minutes after the round started. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go hang out outside. Like, I finished the round. We played some fun games, too. And I, then I left. <laughs> like, yeah, we had you, time you for all this. finished the round in, like, eight minutes. And then yeah. played a couple of random games for fun. And then yeah. came over to me and was like, so, how's it going? I'm like, dude, you just finished shuffling up. <laughs> it's turn five. <laughs> but I, I'm curious at the end of the format to look back at both of our pre-release decks. Because they're very, very different. 
Um, yeah. And I'm still definitely getting a handle on this format. I mean, it's fresh. We've had it for barely a week. And uh, I, I, I want to see how they look in hindsight. Because in theory, your walls, they should have worked, you know? If you didn't have yeah, the wing I mantle have, captain or chaplain. I didn't have the wing mantle ca- chaplain. And I, I have uh, a couple of insights into why. Because I also I got to draft a couple of walls decks as well and see kind of what makes them tick and what doesn't. And mm. in Sealed, I think what happened was that that deck ended up being just a touch too slow most of the time. I didn't have enough two drops in the deck to make it actually work for anything that was remotely aggressive. And then there were a lot lot of decks that actually could go over the top because, and this is moving kind of into some format stuff, but the, uh, the walls in this format are deceiving because they're walls, so you want to block with them, but all the cards that are wall payoffs want you to have defenders, so you don't want to chump with them. And that can be problematic because a lot of them are like like the Floriferous Vine Walls, one you absolutely want in your defender decks, but it's an O2. So it just gets eaten by everything. Yeah. And then it's otherwise like so it's just not actually doing anything on board, um, which is is not great. So there were a lot of times where I was like, well, I kind of need to block here, but I really don't want to lose these walls. And so I'm taking mm-hmm. chip damage that I probably shouldn't have been taking in order to make my Coral Colony better. Um but yeah, that that that's something I think I think the defender decks need a high concentration of the payoffs in order to actually be any good, and you need a lot of the like higher toughness ones to to actually stop the bleeding. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess thoughts on the format overall. I, as of right now, this seems like it's it's one that isn't going to get old very quickly. Uh, because of this, I mean, you just talked for like two and a half minutes about walls. <laughs> like, yeah, there's a lot. That's to a do good sign. Format. Yeah, uh, and there's a lot of unique legends, uh, a lot of interesting decks that can pop out because of the efficient fixing and the archetypes and domain. Oh, God, we got to talk about that later. Um, I, I mean, can you imagine if they put this up for an arena open? Like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it all day for fun <laughs> forget winning yeah. like uh, this is just great um so this is definitely i i would call it a multicolor format i don't feel like you're going to run into too many monocolored decks in this or you're not going to run into too many 10 7 mana bases very often you might but i think i've seen maybe two one or two like strictly two colored decks but most of them i think are what streets of nuka penna wanted to be where it's like a base two-ish colors splashing one or two more kind of that sneaky two-color deck that i mentioned earlier where you have a blue red deck but you have a bunch of white kicker effects and you have two tap white lands and you're playing like a planes or something hot take and maybe this isn't so hot but i i actually think we're gonna see the format evolve into by the end of the format the best decks are all just strictly two color with maybe mm. a, a kicker splash here and there similar um, to streets yeah, because I think there's a lot of stuff going on right now, so people are still trying to play with it all. And once they do, those decks are going to get like really fine tuned, and we're just going to see the best versions of them being two colors with like yeah, like maybe one or two kicker splashes. The thing is, if it's almost free to put like a a few, I don't know, just like a few mountains in your blue green deck to to splash one of these like random kicker effects, um, then isn't it? Like worth it? I mean, then at that point you can yeah, say, yeah. "Oh, well, I'm already I'm splashing think- that. Then I can just add in this other thing here, and then it, it's a slippery slope, true. right?" And it, it 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 asks a lot of you as a drafter and a deck builder and in gameplay, which I think is why it's kind of tickled both of our like sweet spots for for this. Well, that's why I think the best of the best of decks are going to be the ones that 
people have been able to look at the, the cards that they drafted and just say like, no, I'm not splashing this, but I mm. am going to play two mountains because I want to be able to kick these other spells. And yeah. so like, I think the best decks in the format are going to be really finely tuned, sneaky two color decks, as you call them. It takes a lot of restraint to do that. I'm, I'm guilty of, of that type of thing myself. Cause like you're, you're playing like uh, like black white, which I think is out of all of them, maybe the most functional is just straight up two colors. It's legends also have probably the, out of all the legend pairings, the most difficult mana costs to, to achieve like on curve. Um, and you definitely can play those two side by side, of course. Um, that deck, I think, wants to splash a little less, but even then you could splash just like some random red token maker type things or um, or, or, or the pump spell, like the, the, the overrun, right? The overrun where you, with kicker black, where whenever a creature you control dies, this turn draw a card. That's nuts in an aristocrat's deck, especially if you yeah. swing it with a bunch of stuff and then sack the stuff that gets, that gets blocked and isn't going to trade off. So I, I don't know. Uh, I think it's going to take a lot of gameplay uh, to get to the point where you know those small decisions. I'm excited for that. I'm, I'm in like the, the gameplay has been great so far. Yeah. Let's see some other things that we wanted to talk about. Lots of games are going long. So resources kind of trade off here. It doesn't look like there's a ton of card advantage necessarily. I mean, we have divinations, but other than divination, there isn't a whole lot. There are a couple of cantrips. There isn't a whole lot of card draw and there's a lot less incidental card draw on creatures than we are used to seeing as of late. Yeah. Um, so trading off resources is huge. Cards like Bortuk have been incredible for me especially mm-hmm. in the domain decks that can reliably get four or five domain. I bore tucked into a far str- uh, the, the frost strider thing, the, the four, four with ward that taps Jeez. down a creature, the big frost. Oh, God. And it just went right <laughs> into the battlefield. And I was like, this is, and then next turn, the turn after that, I played the um, two and a green. I think it's a two, two that you can kick for like four, three and a blue. And it, Oh, the something. copy. <laughs> yeah. Oh my so God. The strider again, uh, which you could have copied board tuck and gotten something else back. But, Wait, so um, you could you could Bortuk, put the card in the graveyard, have the Bortuk copy bring back the card to your hand, and then, jeez, yeah, man, well, that's the, gross. The Bortuk, the Bortuk copy can bring the original Bortuk back, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's funny that Bortuk kind of self-combos with the legend rule, and, and if you have multiple yeah. copies of it, and, and also, I guess, copying it with uh, the, the cloner, but yeah. They do I make mean, it six mana, though, so you can't actually cheat it into, itself into play. But well, then that's just a stupid uh, loop, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, the incidental liked- discard on, on Phyrexian Espionage has been really, really solid. I find myself oftentimes probably waiting to cast that card more often than I should just mm-hmm. to try to get the kicker. But just incidentally being like, oh, yeah, you can also get rid of that card in your hand uh, has been mm-hmm. has been pretty solid. Yeah, I would say this format scales up pretty quickly. It's it's as we, we've kind of gotten used to. It is a decently fast format. Um, not aggressive, but decently fast and that you have to, uh, you know, impact the board. You can get away more so in this format, similar to the last Dominaria. You can get away with not playing something on turn two, I think. Um, or like you can get away with like leaving up an essence scatter and they play around it. And then you're like, okay, like whatever you, you play your three job next turn. And then you hope to leave up essence scatter and like a two mana removal or something. Um, mana sinks get a little better in sets like this where, I mean, Think about it. There's not really the late game card advantage mechanic like learn, for example. Learn was designed to keep cards coming into your hand in the late game. Same with something like connive, right, where you can like loot away lands. Um, this format yeah, so doesn't really best, have that, right? So far, the best things I've found to do with my mana late game are to like tap my coral colony or drain you with my <laughs> uh, whatever the, the the black defender card. I can't remember what it's called, but the the one that drains. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but that's why cards like Phyrexian Espionage and Urborg Reclamation can be so powerful. Like uh, Urborg, it just gets back your two best creatures for three mana and it gains you some life to stabilize too. Like that can be exactly what you want if you're in a top deck war. Um, there are some rats to keep in mind. Uh, we, I found that like one of the only ways to beat some of these like really tight defender decks is to go... It, the format is, is capable of supporting both going really wide and going really tall. So yeah, yeah. the, the red-green decks have been able to just trample over um, some of my defenders and the green-white decks have been able to go around them. So... Mm. Um, and then blue-white just doesn't care because it's in the sky. Yeah, um, so while the super tight, like well-tuned defender decks do feel really good, there are plenty of ways to deal with them. And so uh, one of those ways would be to go wide. I think keeping an eye out for the rats are, rats are uh, worth, you know, they're worth keeping in mind because there are quite a few of them. Um, I don't know if there are any below rare, though. Uh, there's the uncommon, like, flying tendrils type effect, uh, one black, right. black, minus two, minus two. You can kick it for a green to put a counter on something. But and, and those, I would say, are very effective against... You can almost call them the X1 decks, which is like the white and red stuff. Um, to some extent, blue. Uh, it's funny that there, there's that red card. Um, I, I forget what it does. I don't know what it's called. Smash to dust or smush to dust, something yeah, like that. Yeah, smash to dust. Smash to dust, yeah. That deals one to each of your opponent's things. Um, yeah, I've had that just wreck my board. Uh, in, in decks like red white where you just have instantly a lot of x ones and, and those those decks to be clear are, can be work, can be really good like the 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 jess guy ish spellsy aggroy like play out a bunch of stuff tap down your board swing for lethal or, or pump and go wide um, that's where captain's call i think shines the most if you're going super wide like that um there's other ways to make tokens bared in, in red white it's it's trivially easy to trigger Baird. Uh, who cares about having a creature with power greater than its base power? Um, I mean, Enlist does it by itself. Yeah. Pump spells do it. Uh, equipment, though there's not that much of that. They do it. Um, uh, some even activated abilities on creatures will just do it. Like the the Pump Knights or um, Flowstone Kabu. Yeah, I will say because you, you, you did mention it there. Um, we were wrong, question mark, about Enlist because... <laughs> It is yeah. it is better than I think either of us gave it credit for. Definitely, um, we we really knocked it for only being able to use creatures that didn't have summoning sickness and like the thing needing to attack on its own. Well, actually, they don't even need to attack on its own, do they? Um, mm-hmm. uh, but we knocked it a lot for the for the summoning sickness thing. And I've come into a few games where I'm like, wow, I'm glad they can't enlist that right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm about to get smacked. But it seems like it's also kind of it does still kind of feel win more e um, mm-hmm. where you're effect, you're effectively taking one of your own creatures out of combat. And so I've seen a lot, one of my favorite situations for enlist is where you have three creatures that can all kind of blo- uh, all kind of attack. And maybe two mm-hmm. of the attacks are like probably profitable or one of them is profitable, but you might trade one for one with the other two. And then instead you just enlist one of your creatures and now you're trading up. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing I've seen it for. It, it, it can really turn blocks off for your opponent in sticky situations. And yeah, some of these combat tricks give trampled too. So then you get really wrecked if you're, if you're trying to block wrong. Yeah. Um, so it, it's been better. Yeah. I think it's been better than, than I gave it credit for at least. Mm-hmm. So I had a few problems with it. It reminded me a little too much of training, which I still stand by more than most people. Um, not that it was great. And uh, the red-white samurai mechanic from Neo, which asks you to attack with just one creature. So some important distinctions. 
this doesn't attack with just one creature, right? Like you can enlist and still swing with your other like flyers or other big things. So that's already an improvement. I think the individual triggered effects of of these enlist cards tend to be better. Like the I think the enlist cards are just better cards than the training cards mm-hmm. and, and the samurai cards. Uh, their, their effects are better. The bodies are better. Um, they're more efficient. And something that I didn't consider is that Enlist isn't just good on evasive creatures, of which there are a few. It's also good on cheap creatures because, like you mentioned, it makes them trade up. So when you have that ape, the one in a red enlist that they can sack to blow up an artifact, uh, and you have like a 3-3, and they have a 5-5, you get to get in with your 2-drop, right? And it gets in for 5, not 2. And your opponent has to say, do I take 5 or do I trade my 5-drop with their 2-drop? And neither of those right. are super appealing, and it's exactly what the red decks and white decks want to do. Yeah, that's a that's a very similar scenario I've seen played, where they had my opponent had a three three and a two two. I had a four four on board, which mm-hmm. basically means they can't attack me. But their two two had enlist, so they get in with a two two attack for five. Now my four four doesn't block profitably, and I can either take five, which is not an insignificant amount of damage, or trade my four mana four four or five mana four four for their two drop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's not great either. So we, we were looking at 17 lands before the show. And right now, it looks like uh, one, two, three. Four. Right now, the sixth top card by Games Played win rate is Guardian of New Banalia. And this is probably the scariest thing to see on turn two in the set. Because this thing, what, I guess you can, you can citizens arrest it, and that's it. <laughs> you, can, you can bounce it tap it down but uh you cannot kill this thing because i mean people are gonna they're gonna keep the cards in hand to make sure they can discard for indestructible um i know it's no dream trawler but it's kind of like an aggro dream trawler because i mean this thing it's just going to keep getting in and it's going to get in for more and more damage over the course of the game it looks like a two two this is a five two indestructible yeah and it scries you into better stuff um even if you whiff on the scries it draws you like into a land by accident just hold it in your hand to discard to the night for the next time you attack with it it's it's a disgusting magic card. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. This is like season how late on steroids. This is yeah, it really is. So um, there's a lot of keywords in this set. I've noticed uh, this set feels like it's built for big swings. Um, there's creatures at common. Uh, I feel like every once in a while you text me, be like, "Hey, there's a lot of death touch creatures in the set." And I'd be like, "Oh yeah, there is." And then I was like, "There's a lot of haste creatures in the set." <laughs> there's also a lot of trample, a lot of lifelink, a lot of vigilance. There's a blue card with vigilance. Like, what's going on here? Um, yeah, wait a minute. And break what, I, what I like about this, <laughs> yeah. So, so what I like about this is that it is complicated, but not convoluted. You know, it, there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff, but there's a lot of simple stuff. And this leads to uh, still interesting and fun gameplay decisions and, and, and actions that you get to choose. Like even even today, I was just asking you in this draft we were both watching beforehand, like, do I play out my four drop here or do I hold up like essence scatter and this trick that I could kick? Otherwise, that thing has flying, so it's going to be able to get in more effectively. But do I care about their board? Um, just all, all these simple cards combine the right way i don't know it's it's a good recipe so overall the format is pretty flat power wise like like we said you can play whatever you want but it does seem like there's a deck that's starting to creep up in terms of being like the deck to watch and and kind of be on alert about and that is the defenders deck i am so proud to say that (laughs) and it's it's really really heavily motivated or kind of pushed by this card wing mantle chaplain and we mentioned a little bit earlier that it's kind of being alluded to as 
the Dominar United version of Zenith Flare, sort of. I think that's a little blown out of proportion. It is. It yeah. is pretty powerful, but we we don't just get to like grab every single card that says Defender on it and put it in our deck and play the Wingman Chaplain and just win all our games. You do kind of still need to be in certain colors to make the Chaplain work or be kind of more of a domain-focused deck where you can play all the colors, but then you're a little bit less tight in terms of which defenders you're playing because you've got to make sure you can hit your land drops and such. Mm-hmm. We should that mention, said, say, we, we should just mention the card good. itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. Chaplain is three and a white for a zero three human cleric at uncommon. It has defender. When it enters the battlefield, create a one one white bird creature token with flying for each creature with defender you control. And then whenever another creature with defender enters the battlefield under your control, create a one one white bird creature token with flying. So it's giving you a one one white bird for each defender creature when it enters. And then another one each time a new defender comes in. And yeah, it's very similar to Guild Summit, which was a card we saw. Yeah, in I was thinking the same Guild thing. Ravnica, which uh, drew you cards when you played um, Gates and also drew you cards when it entered the battlefield for the number of Gates you had on the board. It's, it's a nice way of designing such that it, it, it doesn't matter when you draw it or when you get it. It, it rewards you for the work you've done so far and the work you're going to keep doing, uh, which is nice. Um, and, and we should also mention it has Defender. So at bare minimum, you're getting two bodies out of this, one of which was flying. But of course, it's also a 0-3. Um, that being said, it's a really good zero three because there's this yeah. other card called Shield Wall Sentinel, which is currently, I think, the top performing common. Uh, just double checking. Yeah, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11. Uh, it's in like the top 20, top 15 ish of the set. Now, both that and Wingmantle Chaplain have their uh their win rates artificially inflated. Uh, we should just link the Sirkovitz thread <laughs> to, to explain sure. that because it's, it's we would waste our breath attempting to explain it as well as he did in that thread. Uh, but anyway, Shieldball Sentinel is four mana, uh, generic. It's a golem at common. It's a 1-3 with Defender. And when it enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a creature card with Defender, reveal it, put it in your hand, and shuffle. So the joke here is that it can go get itself. So if you have, for example, four or five shield wall sentinels you play one and you go get another one and then you go get another one and another one and another one and eventually you end the chain with the wing mantle chaplain and you make like six birds uh and then maybe you drew one of your other shield wall sentinels and you go and get a gibbering barricade or a walking uh bulwark or something to as other payoffs uh i think wing mantle chaplain is pretty clearly the best of the payoffs in, in the, all the colors. Um, I think the best defenders decks will have Wingmantle Chaplain in them. I'm not entirely sure what those decks look like, though, or what their colors look like. I'll say I was really impressed. I had like a white-black defenders deck uh, with, with the barricade. It had four Sentinels. It had a Chaplain and a Bulwark. And it also had Ellis Ilkor. Um, and this this deck, it really only had two win conditions. Sengir Connoisseur and Ellis Ilkor. Um which LSL core is kind of the soul sister um, blood artist hybrid where whenever your stuff enters the battlefield, you gain life. And whenever your stuff dies, your opponent loses life. So the play pattern was that I would make a bunch of tokens stabilize against. I was surprised by the board states that this deck could stabilize. I, I put a picture of it in discord. Um, it could stabilize against some pretty beefy, like five color domain, like trampling over and like eight, eight, 10, 10 morrows that, that I was just chumping the birds, sacrificing them to Gibbering Barricade, draining my opponent out, growing the Sengir Connoisseur, and then eventually swinging in for like nine in the air to win the game. Yeah, that sounds like a great way to win games. But the deck's not 
without its holes. There are ways to beat it. And I did mention kind of going over the top of them, a couple of decks being able to do that. More specifically, red-green uh, is one of them that can kind of get creatures big enough to go through. Some white decks can do it with Enlist as well. But I think white, red, or more specifically, the Mardu colors are the easiest way to do it. Um, and you just go really wide. You just play a bunch of Captain's Calls, uh, make as many creatures as you possibly can. It's really hard to get a lot of defenders out at once. Mm-hmm. That's right. And you have to be okay with losing some of your creatures to get in there. Uh, it's kind of a good skill test if you know when to attack with your, um, I don't know, your like seven smaller creatures into their like two, four and their like two, one. You're going to lose a few things, but you're going to get in a lot of damage and you have to kind of run the mental math on that. Uh, there's a bunch of pump effects. There's the uh, like the inspiring charge type effect that gives all your creatures two, one in white. There's Warhost Frenzy, the card I was referring to earlier, the two and a red kicker for black. Creatures you control get plus two, plus oh until end of turn. And if the spell is kicked, uh, whenever a creature you control dies, draw a card. I will say sometimes the kicker just doesn't matter because if you go wide enough, that just ends the game on the spot. Uh, Tori Davenant in, in, in Red White, one of the, uh, the legends. I mean, that just pumps all your creatures anyway. Red White just kind of wants to do that. Uh, just go wider than your opponent. You know, and like we said, there's a few board wipes, but I mean, I guess watch out for them more in best of three if you're playing against black, especially for like the uh, the drown and sorrow type effect. But for the most part, going wide, I think, is a, is a, an effective way around these walls. I mean, it, it, how do you get through the walls? Are you going to fly over them? Are you going to go around them? Are you going to trample over them? Those seem to be the best ways. Yeah. And they're, they're pretty reliably capable of getting put together as well as, as far as like the draft experience goes. There's also a I believe it's in red and I think it's a common uh trick that gives plus two minus two and you can uh you can use that in in sort of i guess it's sort of two for one in yourself but you know if you throw a creature in they block it or maybe they they think it's a safe block with their, one of their walls they block your mm-hmm. two two with their oh four and then you can play that to get rid of the wall um yeah it's another kind of effective way to get get through some of those things there are a lot of cheeky combat tricks that these decks can kind of uh, capitalize on there's a lot of creatures with menace. Um, I've noticed too at, at common and uncommon. Um, you can bounce the walls. You can stun the walls. The stun counters have been pretty good. Um, you can strength them, just reducing their power. Uh, those that do have it. And uh, <laughs> funny enough, there, there's a bunch of creatures that pump their own power. The pump knights, uh, the black and the white one, are both super super good. Both ridiculous cards. Flowstone Kavu is. <laughs> we have pump knights at home, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Um, but that thing, I mean, it, it's a, it's a, a fire breather with menace, you know, like, what are you going to do? Put walls in front of it and just let them die to it over and over again. <laughs> like uh, either you take five or you kill it. Um, walls just aren't very good at stopping it. And we should mention the walls deck is one thing, but you can go big in this set too. The domain deck, like when fully online, I know we kind of ragged on it in, in the crack of draft, but it's good. You know, like if you go over the top with with Bortuck and all these kind of splashy, usually usually you're like base green, red, blue, and then maybe you're splashing for like white and, and red bombs um, or white and black bombs. Rather, uh, the deck can be really strong and you can you leverage that great fixing that you have with uh, something like Deathbloom Gardener to, to help and, and the ways that you have of going and get lands, maybe even Slimefoot Survey, but, you know, whatever. Uh I mean, the, the off-color legends like Tatiova and Rada are both really, really effective at, at closing the games out. And the, the domain stuff uh, within green, it all kind of plays together nicely. Yeah, green very much feels like the 
backbone color in this format. Like it's, it's yeah. not really a color that kind of can exist on its own, but it does very well to support other colors. And so I do think, um, even like the black green domain decks, I, I really like mm. the Sultai domain decks that, that kind of are black green based and then they can splash for some other blue cards, kind of like you mentioned with Tatiova and some of the other like Tolarian terror, or some of the bigger end, uh, kind of creatures. There's a lot of word in these colors, so it can yeah. be pretty difficult for your opponents to deal with your stuff. And, some of the big creatures like the Territorial Marrow, I really didn't like. Turns out when you can reliably get a 10-10 for five, it's still good. <laughs> when Even though it doesn't it's have still keywords. a 10-10 for five, yeah. Um, I guess finding ways to give it trample or evasion uh, are, are good with that too, right? Yeah, and I found that the Bortuk into whatever the Ancient is, the seven mana six, seven, or four, seven, that ETB gain five with trample. Oh, wow. That card, like Bortuk into that is really good. You can't cheat that into play because it's too expensive, but you can it's get a lot of life. Like game, game five, game 10 is really a big deal uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to stabilizing against some of these other decks that are trying to go under you. So yeah, I've been a big fan of the domain stuff too. I think I think there's a huge, huge delta between a fully online, like really good domain deck and just like a deck that tried to put domain in as like an afterthought. Like you trash, can tell... Yeah. Yeah, you can tell which ones were built with domain in mind from the beginning and which ones were kind of like, oh, I guess I can just slap some domain cards in this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, again, these these decks, um, especially ramp decks, sometimes you can run out of things to do and you, you want to have that divination or that or Borg repossession um, just to, to make sure you still have those cards in the late game. Uh, Joda's Codex fills a similar role for the domain decks, although I will mention I, I tried playing with it. It was very impressive, but there's a, a decent amount of like main board incidental artifact and enchantment hate that can just you know deal with it um but i will say my opponents they had to deal with it because otherwise the domain deck when you already have full fixing and you're drawing two cards a turn for functionally no extra mana that's that's obviously really good also i'm gonna just put this out here first person to send me proof of drafting a deck that has all three of the uh citizens arrest effects or overing effects (laughs) gets a special discord (laughs) roll Oh, good. I, what is it going to be like a like a Zorius Arrestor or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going to go with something like that. So, all right, send me proof in the Discord, and uh, you'll get that. The first person to do that will get that role. I feel like you, you got to start with the rare one, right? And then probably pick up the common one, and then if you can find the uncommon, then maybe. But that, that's going to be tough. What happens if yeah, I closest? I you don't count. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. Um, the closest I've gotten uh, in pre-release, actually, I opened uh, the rare and the common. I did not find the uncommon. So I was really hoping to get all three uh, in pre-release. That would have been sick. But um, yeah, no such luck. Thanks. Well, that does it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. This is a longer one than I anticipated it to be, but this was a really fun conversation. I think Ben and I had a lot to chat about for this format, which is a great indication of where the format's going. Neither of us are getting ready to stop playing anytime soon, so... Uh, we'll, we'll be chatting with you in the Discord. Check that out. The link to that is in the episode description as well as on the Twitter page. Apologies for the dog in the background. And uh, <laughs> if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftcapod. Again, huge thanks to all of you who are continuing to support us there. And check out those behind the scenes things because uh, I'm curious if that's something that folks are more interested in. And if you'd like to find us outside of the show and outside of the Discord, you can find us on Twitter at draftcapod. Thanks, folks, and we'll talk to you next week. So I've got a challenge for the listeners. Um, Hopefully someone can do this. Uh, I don't know, though. Zach, uh, that soundboard, it can loop things, right? Sure can. Tell you what, pick your favorite sound, set it to a loop. Uh, My actual favorite sound? Let's do it.
one C one F two E E C E zero nine six A B B E zero D B eight C one E C one. Good luck, aficionados. 